The Appendix N Podcast, Episode 16, The Stories of Conan by Robert E. Howard, Part 2. Welcome to the Appendix N Podcast, a Tome Show production. My name is Jeffrey Wynn. This is the show where we read and discuss the authors that influenced Gary Gygax, one of the creators of Dungeons and Dragons. In the 1979 Dungeon Master's Guide, Gygax published a list of his favorite fantasy authors, and this list has come to be known simply as Appendix N. Every month on this show, we will read a book and talk about it. We will review the story and talk about how it relates to the game being played at your table. If you would like to be a part of the show, you can email the host of The Tome Show, Jeff Greiner, at thetomeshow at gmail.com. Listen to the end of the episode for a list of some upcoming stories. Before we get to the program, let us take a moment to mention our sponsor, Noble Knight, online retailer of new and out-of-print role-playing games, war games, board games, and miniatures. Since 1997, they have helped thousands of gamers from around the world save money and find exactly what they need. You can find them on the web at www.noblenight.com. Today, we are talking about more tales of Conan. The Cimmerian, creation of Robert E. Howard. And joining me today is Peter Foxhaven. Foxhoven. Foxhoven. Yes, I will I will correct that in post. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Maybe. And as always is my co host Jeff Wickstrom. Welcome, Jeff. Ahoy. It feels like it feels like we 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 just did this, Jeff. It's time makes fools of us all. You know, we're just, we're aging at such a rapid pace. Yes, yes it is. Okay, so today we're talking about uh, three short stories by Robert E. Howard, and they are The Scarlet Citadel, The Tower of the Elephant, and Black Colossus. And, and I believe that we are talking about them in the order that they were written in and published, and if I am wrong, I hope some Howardian scholar out there will uh, correct me. Okay, so let's start off with The Scarlet Citadel. It was published January 1933 in Weird Tales. And this story, once again, takes us back to the days where Conan is king of Aquilonia. And it, it seems to sort of continue off the plot of uh, the Phoenix on the Sword, where a, basically a, a, a bunch of bad people, not, not the same bad people, but... But bad people are plotting to take Conan off the throne and replace him, and they actually succeed in in luring him with a small army out to some uh, battlefield where where they they ambush him and they put him in a in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, do do I have the story correct so far? I think so. I think so far, yes. The, yeah, the basic premise. On. Right. Um. Peter, what what can you tell us about the Scarlet Citadel, where where, where the first half of this story takes takes place? Oh, okay. So, Koth, I want to say, isn't that who he's... Strabonus is the king of Koth, isn't it? Um, And so that's like one of the countries that borders on Aquilonia, which is, as we know from um, Phoenix on the Sword, what Conan has become king of, right, towards the end of his career. So this is another cool one, I think, because we get to go back and meet... um, a bunch of the characters that we saw in uh, 
Phoenix on the Sword, like barely mentioned, actually do stuff. So like mm -hmm. Prospero is here and these other guys. Um, yeah, I think I think even the uh, the the bard character Ronaldo Ronaldo yeah, is is he, he is mentioned. Check. Yeah, he's yeah, and even that he gets killed by Conan. So. So this does take place explicitly after the Phoenix and the Sword, although it's not clear how far after. Right. The is we know that this one comes between the Phoenix on the Sword and um, what's called the Hour of the Dragon. The Hour of the Dragon is another tale that takes place after Conan's the King of Aquilonia, and the only way that we can kind of gauge that is because they make explicit mention in the Scarlet Citadel of the events of Phoenix on the Sword, as we were just discussing. But there's no mention of his wife Zenobia and. That is a woman that he ends up meeting and making his queen in the Hour of the Dragon. So that just seems to fit going canonically last. We, we, mm -hmm. we do know that uh, Conan has a significant number of female companions, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, he has unreal ones. And just like the first several stories that um, Robert E. Howard wrote... He, he, he'll start just really going through different women, like, um, as far as who's kind of the, like, love interest for the story. Well, I just, and, I just meant that, that as, as king, he, he seems to have a harem of, uh, oh, well, <laughs> pleasure yeah. palace. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he has that too, I imagine, but mm -hmm. he, uh, yeah, oh, I guess, yeah, they do talk about that. Yeah, that's, here, but he that's what, eventually... I was, what I was referring to, not to any specific, uh, character. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, I, so I'm I'm reading these stories as we're talking about them, and I'm not aware of any previous mention of of a significant uh, love interest in in the first three stories that that we that we reviewed. Assuming that you don't count the uh, Frost Giant's daughter, which it probably would not be uh, very wise to count. So no, no. Well, you you wouldn't want to discount her. Also, you you, you would want to keep her in your mind at, at all times, especially if you were adventuring. In the north, yes. Mm -hmm. All right. So All right. we have Conan um, going to the rescue of his good buddy Amalrus, the king of Ophir, and then Amalrus double crosses him, and he's captured by Strabonius and uh, Strabonius's wicked vizier, Sothalanti. Right. That's basically how the story starts off. He's surrounded and betrayed. Um, oh. And somehow Sotha manages to take him alive by drugging him, uh, drugging Conan with the juice of the purple lotus, mm -hmm. which I think is actually pretty impressive that Sotha managed to get in there uh, and stab Conan uh, like that. Yeah, like at, at first I thought like he cast like a like a whole whole person spell. They're they're just describing how Conan has mowed through these trained warriors and. Uh, Soth Alanti, this this wizard, just sort of walks out on, on the battlefield and taps Conan, uh, you know, on the on the shoulder with with a, with a poison ring, and mm -hmm. and it it really kind of suggests um, for the first couple of uh, you know chapters of the Scarlet Citadel that Sotha's magic is all drugs and poisons and you know tricks, uh, though that's not something that really carries through to the end of the story. Right. So so the first half of the story, like after after he's been captured and, and put in this in this dungeon, I mean we we are basically treated to a a dungeon crawl. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean oh. uh and 
in between, actually, in between him getting captured and in between and, uh, getting put into the dungeon underneath the Scarlet Citadel, uh, there's a scene where Strabonius and Sotha and Amalras try to talk Conan into abdicating the throne of Aquilonia and uh, just you know, going away. And something that I that kind of jumped out to me is that in during this conference the uh, the villains are all attended by naked slave boys. Huh. In contrast to Conan, who we later learn has a pleasure palace full of beautiful women. Yeah. Also, they strip Conan naked for this scene. Yeah, it's it's a little problematic. Yes. Maybe it's supposed. I guess maybe that's supposed to be like a contrast of their personalities or something. I don't know. It could also just be that, uh, you know, it's well, the '30s and he's a pulp writer, sort of a thing. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm used to seeing sexism and racism in uh, these kinds of stories. The homophobia, uh, or uh, not even homophobia. What's I don't know what the word it is when per- perversion, sort of. Yeah, that jumped out at me just because I wasn't expecting it, and I wanted to point it out because that's the kind of I guess joyless guy I am. He's 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 <laughs> demonstrating that that the that the that the bad guys are sort of weird because they're they're not like us, right? They prefer naked boys to, to naked women, etc. 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 That's I I when I sorry. No, go 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 ahead. Oh no, I think it I think it also helps to paint the kind of Howardian civilization is decadent and bad sort of thing because all of these guys. Um, are you know coming from more southerly kingdoms? They don't have this barbarian upbringing that Conan does. Um, everybody's either like some crazy wizard or like a king of something or some noble. So I think that by showing their like more sinister um, desires or something like that, you know, with the young boys, um, right. it's just showing that that kind of message of like civilization is corrupting and bad, and people hardened by the frontier and people hardened by uh, like a more rigorous and physical lifestyle have like a not necessarily a better moral compass but are more pure in a different way right yeah. that's kind of like a recurring Howard theme a lot and as stories. part of trying to get Conan to abdicate the throne of Aquilonia willingly they point out that he he wasn't born to it that it's not quote unquote really his that it's uh, just something that he seized because he's a he's a barbarian rather than an actual noble prince, and and he points out that their nobility, these these two kings, all of their claims descend from the fact that they had fathers or grandfathers who were just like him, um, uh, seizing the seizing the throne by force. <clears throat> that there's not something fundamentally better about them by virtue of the fact that they're of noble birth. Mm-hmm. Yep. So good for them, <laughs> or bad for them, I guess. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 pretty much uh, you know you know echoes of the class struggle, which is which is kind of still going on uh, to this to this day. Although I don't I don't know if, if if Howard was was viewing it in in those terms, but it 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 certainly resonates mm-hmm. today. So, but I I I do want to want to get to this. To this uh, dungeon because this is th- th- I mean this is, is a classic uh, Dungeons and Dragons dungeon right I mean there's this there's is an a, awesome sequence yeah I mean there's a there's a snake monster uh, there there's a well that that just leads to an, another plane 
Uh, and I, I think in, in the final room, there's the, 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 the original owner of the castle, who is another wizard, is, is sort of chained up and, and being drugged with this giant uh, flower You, you thing. say chained up and being drugged. I say slowly being um, screwed to death by the poisonous plant. Yeah, it is described as almost like a kind of sexual. It's, I think it's overtly right? sexual. Yeah, it's there's it, there is a lot going on at that. It talks about the uh, the plant kissing uh, the wizard, but we're getting ahead of ourselves uh, because before any of that happens, Conan gets thrown into the dungeon, and he's about to get eaten by this giant snake that happens to be there. Uh, but then a um, an, an NPC appears. Yeah, there's so there's there's a guy that uh, wants to kill Conan because long ago when Conan was uh, you know a a pirate or or whatever he was, uh, he killed this this guy's brother as as he was plundering his village, and so this this guy just wants revenge. Yeah, the uh, the guy is from Kush, Kush K U S H, which is uh, unlike most of the. Um countries that get talked about an actual historic place uh interesting south of egypt um we only really know about it because the romans uh tried unsuccessfully to have trade relationship uh, trade relations with them hmm. interesting but they were the kush was a country that existed for a very long time off to the south of egypt so I think I think what, what what happens is this this guy comes in and interrupts the snake, and and he tries to kill Conan and doesn't see the snake and the snake kills him I think. Yes. Yep. And in in the ensuing struggle, Conan is able to free himself, kill the snake, and get away. Yeah, the guy brought keys in um, for Conan's shackles as. Part of his plan to kill Conan, I'm not sure exactly how that worked, but for, it worked out well for Conan because he was able to free himself from the shackles, although he was still, uh, he's still in the dungeon at this point, and he can't get out of the dungeon. Um, there's uh, a, a torturer, a eunuch, uh, who is guarding the uh, dungeon door, and Conan kills him through the door, which I think is like a, a portcullis or grating. Uh-huh. Um, but then he can't get the door open. <clears throat> so he decides to explore the dungeon. And what does he find? Oh, what does he find? He finds weird abominations, uh, this thing that's all tentacles and jelly and sounds really similar to the Dunwich Horror when you think about it, except that it has a laugh eerily reminiscent of a prostitute that Conan knew once, uh, which, the sight of which causes him to panic Slightly, he stumbles, he drops his torch, and it goes out. He gropes around in the darkness. Uh, he eventually finds a well with fresh air coming up out of it. He wonders, wait, I'm deep below uh, ground level. How can fresh air be coming up? This must be some kind of horrible passage to the Underdark or something likewise. Uh, better to get away from that. It's, it's, it's hinted at that it, it basically leads to at least to hell, right? To something, because he, he senses, um, he, he, he doesn't see it, he doesn't hear it, he doesn't smell it, but he senses something coming up the well. 
Yeah. Uh, he he flees. He finds his torch. He turns around, comes back. Uh, still doesn't see anything, but he senses an invisible monster, um, and decides to leave that. So monster number three is a plant monster that is has this weird sexual hold over a guy, uh, which Conan then kills the monster, and the guy uh, you know wakes up, becomes sane, and he and Conan have a nice conversation. And 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 what's this this dude's name? This Anybody? is uh, Peleus. Peleus. And Peleus is particularly unique uh, in the Conan stories because he's the only um, magic user that Conan actually willingly spends any time with. <laughs> like, these two are, I mean, for Conan and people that, like, wield spells, his relationship with Peleus is downright cordial in the story because he's That's not true. just stabbing him to death. They have a very friendly conversation. I was going to point out that Conan also has a conversation with a wizard during the Phoenix and the Sword, but that wizard is, you know, like, um, appearing in Conan's dream. And yeah. Conan doesn't really have the option of leaving. Right. And, and he's not Epimetrius particularly excited dead. to be talking to the guy. Yeah, that is true. Though he recognizes it. I also thought it was interesting that they changed, however minutely, they changed the name of, the, uh, of Conan's predecessor on the Aquilonian throne between Phoenix on the Sword and this story. So in Phoenix on the Sword, they say he's Numidides. And in this one, it's Numidides with like an A instead of a U. I did not catch that. Neither did I. So I, I think, and I think it is just because he must have been writing in a hurry. You know, yeah. you would think like he's as he's churning out these pulps and stuff like that. Like I imagine you have to kind of write as much as you can, but it just seemed like a weird oversight to me. He didn't. He didn't have a wiki that he could consult. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. So I um the I, I believe uh, Peleus is, is is that his name. Yep. Uh, uh, animates the body of the eunuch and and gets the eunuch to un- unlock the door and that's and that's how they escape, and and I, I believe that the rest of the story is 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 a is is a battle scene. Well, first Peleus and Conan enjoy a celebratory drink together. Mm-hmm. Then there's a battle scene. Yes, Peleus and- Peleus is actually really cool. Uh, you know, I, I hadn't thought about it until you pointed it out, but yeah, he and Conan are just like our uh, our buddies. Um, you know, they have this friendly conversation. Uh, Peleus is is very polite to Conan, calls him a king, um, thanks Conan for saving him. Uh, then the giant snake attacks, and Peleus scares it off uh, by virtue of being a powerful wizard, uh, which I think impresses Conan uh, at least as much as when he animates the uh, dead body and makes it open the barred door. Except that that by by the end of the story, Conan says in the in the narration that he really would rather not spend any more time with uh, Peleus, however much respect he had for the guy, just because he's so he's so weird. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, and through it all, Conan is always afraid of magic. There's something about his barbarian nature that magic is just so unseemly to him that it, he just never shakes it. So he has tons of supernatural encounters over the course of his career, this being pretty much towards the end of it, right? And mm-hmm. so up until then, he's seen a lot, but what he has seen just still makes him weirded out. So even in this story, when he uh, you know, battles the snake, when the snake shows back up, they make this mention that he at least feels some kinship with it because it's definitely flesh and blood and can definitely be just killed, right? Whereas By the com- thing... 
the yeah, weird by, gibbering mass. Weird by comparison out. to the jelly or the or the yeah. invisible monster, but yeah. I, I feel like Conan's response to being freaked out, uh, response to magic of being freaked out, is uh, again an eminently rational one. This magic is all weird and uncanny, and it's very reasonable for Conan to be um, to be upset by it and confused and to not like it. I think that I would probably respond the same way were I in his shoes, except that, of course, were I in Conan's shoes, I would die within seconds. Well, who wouldn't, though? Yeah, probably. Because, well, first of all, Conan would be very angry that you took his shoes. (laughs) I, You know, if I apologize and I took the shoes off and I gave them back to him, I think Conan would probably figure that I wasn't worth the trouble of killing. Maybe maybe older... Conan, if you if you played him some uh, music first, because older, true. older could, Conan likes likes music. I could try to convince him yeah. that I'm a scholar or an artist or some combination thereof, and maybe he would let me live. Okay, so do we do we want to briefly talk about the uh, battle scene? Because I really want to get to Tower of the 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 Elephant. We're we're almost halfway through the through through oh. our our time here. Oh, I'm sorry. I Scarlet Citadel was was definitely my favorite of these three stories because it had it hit all of the notes that I was hoping for a Conan story to have. You have Conan versus weird monsters, Conan in massive battle scenes, Conan being freaked out by crazy wizards. Uh, when we were last talking about Robert E. Howard's stories, uh, the the previous set of Conan stories, I commented that it wasn't none of them were really exactly what I was expecting from Conan. I mean, one of them is basically a, a murder mystery. Um, and then this is exactly what I was expecting, and it's it's awesome. You know, you can read this and be like, oh yeah, I can see why Conan the Barbarian is a uh, major cultural touchstone of the 20th century. Yes, and so do, doesn't Conan come like flying in on, on some kind of giant flying? Yes, Peleus and... summons like some kind of night gaunt type thing, and Conan rides it into battle. He rallies the uh, the people in his besieged city, convinces them that he's not dead, and they should stop uh, squabbling among themselves and fleeing the onrushing army. The, he he pulls together an entire army very quickly out of basically nothing. He leads that army into battle and beats the crap out of the evil wizard's army, despite the fact that the evil wizard's army outnumbers him, his something like four or five to one. And then he and the evil wizard are fighting, and then Peleus comes down in the form of a giant bird and rips the evil wizard's head off, laughs, flies away, and Conan's like, man, that was weird. Glad that's over. Yeah. Yeah, that that was cool. Yeah. Okay. So that was the Scarlet Citadel. Uh, our next story is the Tower of the Elephant. All of these stories were published in in the the early half of 1933 in in Weird Tales. This this was a busy year for Conan. Um, so so Tower of the Elephant uh, takes place in Conan's adventuring days. You know, some sometime after the Frost Giants daughter he's he he's he's a little older but he's still not um seasoned right he 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 seems like a like like a rash young hothead in this in this one uh and it it starts out uh in a in a tavern and we're listening to a uh professional woman kidnapper uh talk talk about how he's going to kidnap a woman 
and somehow the the tower of the elephant comes up and Conan asks him about it and the the idiot has the the the, the, the audacity to just sort of uh, annoy Conan uh, and Conan kills him but but not before getting uh, the answers that 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 he wants uh, yeah and this oh sorry no 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 problem uh, Peter oh yeah then this is classic early Conan. This is why I love Robert E. Howard as much as I do as an author, because if you look at exactly what you're saying, this rash, hot-headed Conan, if you look at the Conan from the Tower of the Elephant and then compare that to the Conan of the story we just read, they're totally different guys in a huge way. And mm-hmm. there, yeah, there is that still those same character traits of the brawn over, you know, cleverness sort of thing and co- keeping to his own code. But you can, but Robert E. Howard, I think did a really good job of showing him as you look at these, especially kind of in the chronology mm-hmm. that gets laid out, it shows him doing some actual character growth and showing him mature and coming to a deeper understanding of things or just changing as a person as, you know, people actually do. And I don't think that that's something that people really get give Robert E. Howard enough credit for doing that's actually pretty revolutionary. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what makes him a, a good writer is that he, he understands stories are about characters. I mean, Jeff, Jeff and I just did a show not that long ago about, about Prince of Venus, or uh, Pirates of Venus, and we were, we were bemoaning the fact that, that you know, all of Edgar Rice Burroughs' heroes seem to be the same guy. Uh, yeah, you know, he, one... the the hero of Pirates of Venus is set up to be more cerebral than the others, but he's really not. He he punches stuff, and and that's about it. Yeah, he just punches things like less well than John Carter. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So the Tower of the Elephant is this is this weird uh, wizard tower. I think I think it's it's basically all all made of smooth glass. Is that is that this 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 the story here? Um, and it's, it's in the middle of town and Conan's just sort of wondering, you know, there's this tower in the middle of town. Why don't, you know, why doesn't someone just climb up over the wall and steal everything inside? Uh, and he, he's, he's, he, he's actually smart enough to, you know, think that if, if something is, is obviously this easy to break into, or at least, at least, at least appears to be, then it, it must have some very good protection on the on on the inside, and that's that's why he's uh, questioning this uh, fat professional uh, woman kidnapper, which I, I still love that that's like a profession in this in this world. <laughs> well, it, it, what's great is that they hearken back to it later too. The whole professional woman kidnapper thing. So in um, oh, is it? I want to say it's like shadows in the moonlight. That might be the one. Well, he runs into this woman named Olivia, and that's exactly what happened to her. She was like kidnapped by a Zamoran and sold into basically sex slavery. Uh-huh. Right. So this is like this becomes a thing that he harkens back to. There's something about Zamorans, like as a people, where this this behavior is just very accepted in their culture. Like Shadazar, the city that they're in, is referred to as Shadazar the Wicked. Like it's uh-huh. just known for being the most filthy, horrible place that you could possibly think of. Like every horror story of New York from the 70s, that's Shadazar. Huh. Mm-hmm. I, ironically, the woman kidnapper that uh, Conan gets into this argument with is a foreigner, a Kothian, who has come to Shadazar uh, and discovered that all of the natives of uh, natives of the city are just way better at kidnapping women than he could ever hope to be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting. I, I I wonder if the if the Zamorans were the inspiration for the what was it the uh, Zamorans, which which are the uh, Star Sapphires in uh, in, oh. in DC Comics. 
I, you know, there's not a whole lot of similarity between them other than the name. So I don't know. I just like my my <laughs> unless you've been reading there. some very different Green Lantern comics than I have. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, so uh, Conan decides that uh, with the information from this merchant uh, or this this uh, woman kidnapper who who he's he's killed, he decides that he's going to break into the Tower of the Elephant. He's he he's learned that it's it's owned by a wizard, and the wizard has a uh, a, a big gem that he he gets his power from, and Conan decides it would be fun to break in and just steal this thing, because uh, he's a thief and that's what he does, and so yeah. he he breaks inside and um I I'm a, I'm a bit I'm a bit fuzzy on the on the on the order in which things happen but he he he, he encounters some dangers and eventually he encounters an uh, a, an an ally a another a, thief yes a feather thief yeah Taurus of Numidia and Taurus of Numidia he is one of my favorite throwaway characters we have another one that's basically just like him called Shevatas uh, in the next story, Black Colossus, yeah. and they they operate in very much the same way, just to show that whatever treasure is going after is really super difficult. So they need this like really renowned Prince of Thieves character that ultimately eats it, you know, just to show how like better at survival Conan is, or how lucky maybe Conan is, because mm-hmm. even these highly trained thieves can't do it. But it's great because this this thing even has like a wandering monster table sort of thing, the way that <laughs> modules do. Because what happens, they they run into some of the the tigers. Or no, I'm sorry, lions. Some of the lions that are out there, but they don't run into all of them right away, right? DM's mm-hmm. sitting there behind the screen just rolling the D8 or whatever, right? Just waiting for the other one to pop on them, which is exactly how it goes down. Yeah, and then and then they they. I think I think at one point uh, Taras employs like a like a like a poison, right? The the black lotus powder, not to be confused with the purple lotus, right? Uh, that we saw in the previous story. He he, he tore up his uh, black lotus uh, magic card, and 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 the sacrifice is is what summoned this uh, this uh, magic. I'm just I'm just kidding, um, but they like they, they they even like almost have have a mishap where where, where Taras says if if it blows back this way, run. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, like you could sort of have that situation in early editions of D anD D, where like you could accidentally like throw a fireball at your allies, or like you you just pick up stuff that you didn't quite know how it worked or what it did, and you you'd employ it in in combat. It, it might blow blow back at you, right? You know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so that's hilarious, and then then, then they get inside, and uh, Taurus is killed by a spider. Uh, in this in this weird room made of made of uh, lapis lazuli and there's and there's 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 all these jewels and there's this uh, really nice sequence where where Conan is fighting the spider. Yeah, it's the, a spider the size of a pig. Yeah, which I guess is something that Robert E. Howard would easily he he knows how big a pig is and he assumes everybody in his reader, readership also knows exactly how big a pig is uh pigs are pretty big i know pigs are pre- are pretty big pretty big now are, i don't know if pigs are the size of a uh refrigerator or the size of something uh, the size of something uh bigger or smaller than that is is, is a is a pig uh sofa sized or love seat sized it's like the the height 
of like a medium size or large size Jesus, the Iowan is doing this. The, the, the height of like a medium <laughs> or large or like a large size dog, and they get like you know six hundred pounds, eight hundred pounds, something like that. I didn't grow up anywhere near a farm, but that sounds right. I yeah, think, I, I, think I, mean, love, I used to see I used to see size. pigs at uh, the county fair, but when I was a kid. But it's been a while, so. But for a spider, that's huge. So, yeah, I like. I can't most remember, spiders he... are smaller than are, are smaller than your hand, so yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty big. It, it it's the size of the monstrous spiders in like The Hobbit, for for <laughs> example. Uh, not not Sheila, but but her children. So uh, I can't remember. Does does he defeat the spider, or does he manage to escape? Oh, he defeats the spider. I'm okay. pretty sure. he he like actually skewers it or something. I'm trying to remember exactly how yeah. he gets around it because I always that those encounters are cool, but I always get so into the stuff with like <coughs> Yog Kosha that I always end up forgetting about right. the whole spider so, thing. So right, so right, right after this is, is is when we get to the the elephant, which which is why this is called the the Tower of the of the Elephant. So Conan just walks into the room. That is beyond this spider room, and he he sees at first what he thinks is a statue of this weird elephant-headed uh, deity, sort of reminiscent of uh, Ganesh of the Indian pantheon. But then he shortly realizes that it's it's a living creature. Also, I think it, it may be worth pointing out that the uh, the chamber in which. Um, the master thief died was just piled full of just piles of treasure uh, enormous amounts of treasure all over the place and Conan continues on into this room and this room is just basically made of treasure right the floor is made of ivory the walls are made of jade everything is uh, gold gems yeah so much so much treasure you can't fit it in your bag of holding yeah, it's it's an impossible amount of treasure, um, which kind of stood out to me because I don't know that treasure has been that much a feature of the uh, the previous Conan stories. Maybe there has been one gem uh, or something that people have been been fighting over. But well, in, in this, this story, he's, we're this tower is just is just made of treasure. Yeah, and in, in, in this story, we're specifically told that his profession is thief. Like he he is here to steal treasure. Right. And yet, and and he is not. Um, I mean, if I was Conan, I would probably pull out my sack. I would, back in that first room, I would have just filled my sack up with all of the gems that I could carry and left because, uh, you know, if I'm Conan the Barbarian, my needs are pretty simple. I'm going to be able to afford plenty of wine, women, and song with one sack full of emeralds. I don't necessarily need the heart of the elephant. Who am I going to fence that to anyway? I think that's more of a pride thing, just because some, you know, southern like right. uh, city this is dweller the, mouthed off to him. This is the younger, more brash Conan. Right. Yeah. I don't think that. I mean, if it were just about the loot, I think you're right. He just would have bagged it up and been like, "Ah, this is a little hot for me. I'm just going to leave." Uh, but yeah, I think it's just a it's a pride measure at this point. All right. So this this giant elephant-headed alien creature. Is is basically from like an an interstellar race that is, you know, older than time, or or whatever. I I think he's like the last of his race, or something. And the wizard of the tower, uh, Yana Yara, something something like that. Yara, Yara, Yara. 
uh, has basically imprisoned this this creature here and like tortured it for magical knowledge for like three hundred years or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a really long time, and like he's sympathetic. Like this this giant ugly monster gets Conan's sympathy and and our sympathy. He very briefly spins this tale of. Uh... You know, crazy space opera and ships uh, full of these elephant-headed people uh, crossing the galaxies. Uh, they're from a distant planet and so forth, and they ended up uh, crashing here on Earth. Um, they had, you know, magic wings that they used to fly from star system to star system, and they... Uh, their wings withered away, and they inhabited the Earth until humanity arose. And using the wings, that really reminded me of, like, the Mego from Lovecraft. Like, using mm. wings specifically to glide between, like, celestial bodies. Really reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of similarity there. Yeah, I mean, this, 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 this definitely does seem like, like it fits in the, in the Lovecraft mythos. So uh, the the creature basically has Conan uh, put it out of its 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 misery and and I believe tear out his 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 heart or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which then 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 allows Conan to uh, over overpower the wizard by by summoning the spirit of of the creature who imprisons the wizard inside his own his own gem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Conan has to figure out which part of the uh, of the Elephant Man is its heart, and then he pours it over the uh, pours the blood out of it onto the stone, and that's oh, then everything goes crazy. Yeah, so like he he goes downstairs and he finds uh, Yara basically like you know in the in the middle of a of a of an opium dream, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just 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 sort of meditating, and he 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 performs this this ritual, and uh, Yara leaps up, and he's he's startled to find Conan there, and then he just starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller until he's inside the gemstone. He gets sucked down, yeah. Oh, and it says here that Yara is he's not uh, high on opium; he's high on specifically the fumes of the yellow lotus. Right. So this is this is setting up a a system of lotus alchemy. You have yellow lotus that gets you high, purple lotus that uh, paralyzes you, and black lotus, which is death. Yeah, right. and they'll come up all the time. So um, particularly like Zuthal the Dusk, that story, like the whole everyone in that town just like huffs yellow lotus all day. Are like, there is, any? Is there any, a fourth? Fifth? Is there green lotus, red lotus? Are there no, additional not that lotuses? I can not that I can remember off the top of my head. It's, it it's, it's kind of like like uh, kryptonite because because there's, there's there's all sorts <laughs> sorts sorts of right. colors of that red, too. Right? Red lotus has a a random effect. It's never the same thing twice. White lotus, uh, you know, kills plants. Blue lotus is uh, dangerous only to Bizarro Conan. And you need to have the one that splits him in two. What wasn't it like purple kryptonite that did that in one of the movies? <laughs> Maybe. Oh man, I would love to see Bizarro Conan. That would be. Right. Dude, dude graduates from MIT. <laughs> well, see, Conan, even um, certainly the older Conan, I don't think of him as a dumb guy or a guy who doesn't have respect for knowledge, learning, and the arts. He's just a guy who 
does not think of that as a suitable replacement for being um, physical. Yeah, I mean, like he doesn't even weak. do like like caveman talk. He's 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 like like me am Conan, me am strong. Yeah. He, it's you know. he it's better to be smart and strong, but if you're weak, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Basically, is is how I'm interpreting Conan's view on brains versus brawn. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't resent brains. He doesn't have anything against brains. He just doesn't value it in the way that um, strength is is valuable. Right. Well, and he does. We do know he becomes literate later on. Right. I don't know about it at this point in his career. I mean, I would one. I wouldn't think that Sumerian as a language is written. Right. Kind of the way they make Sumeria sound. It just seems like they probably don't have written language or if they do, it's like runes or something. But yeah. at least um, so he wouldn't have any formal education. Right. But at least he picked that up um, by the time you get to Phoenix on the sword, because it begins with him. Like the first time you see him in that story, he's like pouring over a document with his stylus, like writing a new decree or something. Mm, so he is, right. he is literate and he's crazy good at languages. Conan speaks like unreal numbers of languages by the end of his travels. Like it doesn't matter where he is. He speaks its kind of equivalent lingua franca. It's just incredible for this guy, like just out of nowhere, but he picks up bits and pieces of like every language he encounters. Oh, it's, it's really easy to learn languages in fantasy. I mean, all, all throughout Edgar Rice Burroughs <laughs> stories, like characters just learn languages of wherever they go in, in a couple of days. You know, I think, I think in Gulliver's travels, you know, he had to learn the language of the Lilliputians and, and everybody else, and it, it just sort of happened. It like, right? took, took, took him about an hour at a time, maybe. <laughs> very, very fast. Yeah. So, all right. So I believe, I believe the story ends with uh, the... the uh, what What is the elephant creature's name? Yogkosha. Yogkosha. Kind of like uh, Yogg-Sothoth. Yeah, I always think that, too. And then they come from the planet Yogg. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's a uh, Yog Yog Sothoth's nicer, more elephantine cousin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, uh, Yog Yog Kosha uh, kills kills the rest of the guards that that were that were guarding uh, Conan's escape route, and Conan basically just just flees mm-hmm. and and goes back to, to civilization. Um, oh, and as he leaves, the uh, tower collapses. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, totally shatters. Yeah, which. I feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out because the tower is still basically made of treasure. So now there's just a big pile of treasure back there. I feel like that's something that, that maybe the story could address, but instead we uh, the story ends. Well, I'm sure that at that point the townspeople just swarm over the walls and grab shards of crystal or whatever they can, they, they can grab. And... All the ivory and the emeralds yeah. and the... Gold and jade. And, I'm sure it, you uh, know, it, 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 it probably doesn't stay like that for long in, in the middle of this city of, of, of thieves or, or whatever we're told is, is going on here. Listen, but wouldn't that make a better uh, last scene? Is Conan watching in disgust as the, uh, the vermin of the city pour forth and start looting the ruins? I'll, I'll suggest that to Mr. Howard. Yeah, you, you do that. Yeah. All right. So, um, We've got about 15 minutes left, and uh, we're about ready to talk about our final story of the evening, uh, Black Colossus, published June 1933 in Weird Tales. And um, this this story really seemed to be pretty simple. Uh, there is, is is a woman, a, a princess... And she is the ruler of a nation that is is at war with this, uh, you know, a, a 
another evil wizard from from the south, right? And mm-hmm. she prays to Mitra, who I, I believe we, we were first told about way back in the Phoenix Phoenix on the Sword. It's it's basically the the deity of Aquilonia. And Mitra tells her to go out in the streets and find the first person the, the, the first person that you meet, put him in command of your armies. And lo and behold, it turns out to be Conan. And Conan leads her armies to victory. I mean, that's yeah. that's a very quick summary, but just just to get all that all that out there. Yeah, the um, Conan confronts the evil wizard at the end. The evil wizard is all, "Ooh, I'm going to use magic," and then Conan throws a sword at him, goes right into the goes right into the guy's chest. Guy keels over dead. <clears throat> this was not my favorite of the. Um, of the three stories we're talking about tonight, this was this was my least favorite, uh, just in part because I feel like it treads similar ground as the previous stories. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it just seemed kind of kind of dull, and there there wasn't really literally a, a lot of plot twists. It 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 opens with uh, Peter. You you were talking about this 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 other thief character. Yes, Shavatis or Shavatas. I never know how to actually say his name, but I say like Shavatis. And so this mm-hmm. guy, it's he plays, in my opinion, the exact same role, NPC wise, as Taurus does, which is whatever is hidden is like really super highly trapped. It's really difficult to get. Like you use someone of this exceptional skill. He's the Prince of Thieves, just to show how difficult what he's doing is, and then that's really all he's useful for. I think I think Taurus is even called out, isn't he? Like. Be, because Taurus is dead, like like this guy is is now the best thief in the in the world or something. I, oh, I, is I, he? I, I might is have that, just maybe I just imagined that. I I don't know. Well, I mean that would make sense because okay, now we, I know we haven't talked about chronology yeah. in here yet, but I think that the best one is this one by Dale Ripke. His argument I just think is really strong, and he does place um, Black Colossus a ways after Tower of the Elephant. So Tower of the Elephant, Taurus of Numidia is dead by the time we see Shevatas. So I think that it, based on that chronology, and so I think that it is kind of reasonable to assume that he is the new Prince of Thieves because Taurus is, you know, out of the picture. Right. Well, it certainly makes sense that Black Colossus comes after Tower of the Elephant because the Conan that we see in Tower of the Elephant is you know, as young, pretty much as young and brash a Conan as we're going to see. I think. Yeah. And Black Colossus seems to be part of a turning point in Conan's life because this is the first time that he is the commander of armies. First, by no means the last. Yeah. I just I just want to mention I, I, I read all these stories really fast today, so that 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 detail about Taurus being called out may have just been like just have sprung in, in into my head. I have no idea if that's if that's true or not. Um but so yes, yeah, so it, it it starts out with with this, this this other master thief breaking into the into the tomb of what is basically a lich, right? It, it's mm-hmm. it's it's an evil wizard who is who is sealed in this place, and uh, he he ends up freeing uh, the bad guy who uh, kills him, and that that sets the ground for this for this story. Uh, and then we we get to the city. Um, is 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 this Koth? Is 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 that the kingdom? Okay, Karaja is a nation state. Karaja, so yes. It used, okay. Yeah, and it used to kind of be part of. I want to say that it was part of Koth. Hold on, I have my map of Hyborian. <laughs> yeah, there's here. there's there's all um, these these K names, right? There was there was Kush earlier, and there's there there's there's Koth. 
Yeah, the people yeah. are referred to is as in, being Kothian or Kothian. Yeah, yeah, and it's right on the southern border of Koth and like northern border of Shem. So, but I think it's best because I'm like you. I was not, or like you guys, I was not overwhelmed necessarily by this story. But I think that this story teaches us a lot from a DM perspective because you get a lot of the racial history and political history of Hyboria really quickly in this story. Right, because they talk about, um, for instance, Yasmila doesn't know of the cult of Mithra because that's the god that's mostly worshipped by the Hyborians, and the Hyborians right. are specifically like the Aquilonians, the Lamidian, the Namidians, Bosonians, like those guys in kind of northwest of the continent, not mm-hmm. not quite north enough to this like Sumerians and Aesir Vanir, but like the other kind of ones that we've seen. Is, is, and, is this the first time we, we, we hear about Hyborians as a, as like, like, like a, like a collective people? Yeah. Yeah. Actually addressed as that, which is interesting because that's always, that's usually kind of a big marker when you just see a Conan story and you're like, is this Robert E. Howard or is this like Elsprague Gant Lynn Carter all comes down to the use of the word Hyboria. Right. So um, Robert E. Howard, very sparse with his usage of Hyboria. Like, you'll see it every once in a while, whereas, like, Lynn Carter and Els Camp, everything is described as Hyborian, I feel like. Huh. Um, but, yeah, so you get, like, a lot of this racial history that basically what Karaja is is Koths, uh, people from Koth, like, Kothic peoples, and then also this weird mixture of Hyborians and stuff like that. And then in the south, you get more people from, like, Shem, which is basically, like, Palestine, right? They always make Shem mm-hmm. kind of seem like the like more pastoral areas of Palestine. Um Scythia so is what I was this... imagining. With White one? Uh, Scythia. Oh, yeah, I can see that too. Mm-hmm. And so they like, and but you get like this great religious backdrop too that Ishtar is the goddess that's really commonly worshipped here in Koth and in Karaja and Shem and stuff like that. And so her cult has basically replaced the Mith- Mitran cult of uh, Karaja's ancestry. And so you get this really interesting idea about the relationship between religions on the continent too, which is really cool, and there, 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 there even seems to be a be a like a like a callback to uh, modern monotheism because at, at at one point the servant girl of the princess says uh, the the deity isn't in the idol like you've been taught to believe yeah. like it, it's it's everywhere. Mitra is like a is an is similar to the Abrahamic god in that way. Yeah, absolutely agree. <laughs> Right. But that's something that I hadn't really thought about when I was reading this story. Uh, it's true. You get a lot of background setting stuff that just puts the conflict in context. And it's, it is notable how much of that kind of world building Howard has, has done here. And that you can – he's not making – when it comes to the setting at least, he's not making it up as he goes along. Yeah. Uh, in contrast to a lot of the uh, a lot of other stories that we've read, and he's very purposeful with his language. It's not mm-hmm. that he gives you the whole backstory of this entire country over the course of a bunch of pages. He spends maybe a paragraph on it. Yeah, it's just enough just to provide it, context. Right, it, which is wonderful. I mean, that's something that as you enter a city, like your you know your adventuring party enters a city or something mm-hmm. like that. More DMs, I feel like we sh- we can learn a lot from Howard in this of really make it concise. Mm-hmm. You know, give them just what they need to know, like, but paint, you can paint it in a way you can tell them specifics about an area and tie in just these little things that paint a broader picture of the context of its place, like politically or like culturally mm-hmm. in the, in the world and do it pretty quickly. 
Yeah, there's a there's a skill I think in compressing that down to you know, hundred words, mm-hmm. uh, and and you can totally you can fit a whole lot about a the the about a culture about a city about a place in a hundred words, and that's something that Howard uh, Howard was good at. Lovecraft, by comparison, spent uh, several hundred words just describing the geography around Dunwich. So. Yeah, that still, was not his. Yeah, still enjoyable though. Just, just, oh yeah. yeah, oh definitely. So okay, so I mean the the rest of the story is uh, Conan. Conan was already a a mercenary. He's 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 moved on from being a being a professional you know burglar to being being a mercenary with this with this army that's that's in what's what's the name of the of of, of the nation? Zoraja. Yeah, they're 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 in Karaja. Oh. They've been hired by the princess Yasmin to Yasmila, Yas, yep. Yasmila, to 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 defend the nation from uh, the the evil wizard that's coming up from 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 the south. And Conan's just sort of out carousing when they bump into each other, and there's there's some brief flirtation going on, and Yasmila's kind of scared to death because. Uh, she's she's never been outside the palace and she's never seen a real man before. You know that. that... And Conan is hot, man. Yeah, Conan is is pretty hot. Um... <clears throat> Yasmila is big into Conan, and he gets put in charge of the the army as Mitra decreed. And and there's some uh, conflicts, you know, between Conan and some of some of the more uh, regular. Uh, Leaders again. That this whole civilization versus uh, uh, barbarism theme going on. You know the the regular army guys don't don't trust uh, Conan, but it you know it, it turns out Conan's instincts are are right later on. And I think one of the, one of the army guys dies, and Conan leads the princess's armies to victory. And and like you said, Jeff meets the evil wizard on the battlefield and just runs a th- sword through him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Do we? So, do we know what the Black Colossus that is the title of the story is? Because I, I think I somehow missed that somewhere. Okay, that's the thing that's carrying him around. So you know the like winged jet black uh, camel creature. Okay. That then came back down and he like transformed into the shape of a man and is seen talking to him in his tent. Yeah, that's the Black Colossus. Somewhat of a letdown, honestly. Yeah, like I don't think Conan even fights the thing. Yeah, no, I'm just expecting a big, like, giant robot. Would have been yeah, better like with a, a giant robot. Or something. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there there's also mention of of yet another ape demon uh, accompanying uh, the wizard who who just sort of runs away. Yeah, Got <sighs> giant snakes and ape demons. So the story ends with uh, Yasmila clinging to Conan and uh, Conan being like, "All right, go me." Yeah, but the 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 fight's not even over when, like, mm-hmm. at at the end of the story, they're they're just sort of hugging and you know watching watching the fight play out as the as the story ends. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a couple of of good bits in this story. I think there's a bit where Yasmila is accompanying the army 
and Conan is surprised that she's accompanying the army, and he comments that you know she's gonna have a hard time uh, dealing with you know weapons, armor, etc., because his assumption is that she's going to be uh, le- uh, leading the army from the battlefield, uh, leading from the front, the way that a uh, a king would. Mm-hmm. And then he has to get told that no, no, she's the uh, she's the princess. She's just going to kind of hang out in the back and watch. Um, which Dr. I thought Conan. was 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 kind of indicative of Conan's cultural expectations. Right, because for him, it's not even because it's like you expect a king to do it. For him, they make mention like a Malrus when he's talking to him is like, oh, these aren't your Sumerian women. They don't just run into battle. Mm-hmm. Right. So it seems like his whole culture is like a skirmish culture or can fight. Mm-hmm. Is there is there mention? Uh, okay, so. Is is Red Sonia a a Howard creation or, or or did she come up much much later? Okay, it's yeah. The answer is weird and it's yes and no. Okay, okay. Red Sonia is a character that takes place like in the 1600s when the Ottoman Empire is conquering the Balkans. Okay, that's who Red Sonia is. Okay. Now Roy Thomas, when he was working on the Savage Sword of Conan or maybe just Conan the Barbarian for Marvel in the 1970s, he uh. wanted to put in an, another character. And wanted to find a good one, but ultimately, Baylit and Valeria, they're, t- they're tough women, but they, like, you know, are just basically love interests of Conan, and that weakens them in a weird way. So he semi-invented her. So Red Sonia, as we know Red Sonia, is really made by um, Roy Thomas, but the character name Red Sonia, spelt differently, is, uh, is a Robert E. Howard character. Interesting. Okay. Subject so, matter expert, always great to have you on board. So as as <laughs> as Howard great. created her, she was originally from a different continuity, and then then this this comic book author sort of created a different character with the same name and put her into Conan's continuity. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And so they made her a Hyrcanian, which is like east of the Vilayet Sea. They're kind of kind of Iran, sort of ish. Okay. But there but there are like women who actually like pick up swords and 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 fight in in Howard's writing. Well, yeah, there's and yeah. they're unusual and kind of they surprise people when they do it, and that's very similar to real world history, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, well, women has really... women have always fought, as they said. Yeah. Well, and there are some really tough ones in Conan too. So Valeria of the Red Brotherhood, who he meets in the story Red Nails. Huh. I mean, she's the notorious like pirate. And actually, both of the women I'm thinking of are notorious pirates. Baylet, the queen of the Black Coast, who we meet in that story of mm-hmm. the same name, um, she's, I mean, just fearsome. Just a brutal, brutal person and will kill and is competent at fighting and is a leader of men. Um, so even just directly in the Conan stuff, you see that he they just all kind of end up bending to be sort of a sexual object for Conan. Yeah. So we're starting to get close to running out of time, but before we we bring this to a close, we need to ask ourselves, Black Colossus, um, how can we apply it to Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, Anything? Anybody? Yeah, actually, I have a... This is stretching a bit, okay? Okay. Mitra is the reason why uh, uh, Yasmila finds Conan, right? There's a great bit where she says to herself, you know, it's it's entirely likely that this is some kind of trick being played on right. me by a priest who knows ventriloquism, but I don't care. I'm going with a desperate triumph call for desperate measures. 
Yeah, but let's assume like a D and D, and then yes, the the gods are less active in 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 like Robert E. Howard's, but let's assume that they are real and that that is legitimate. I mean, Mitra comes back to help Conan again by technically by sending Epimetrius. This the symbol of the phoenix is the symbol of the cult of Mitra, and you know Epimetrius was a priest of Mitra who fought back people fighting on the hand, you know, on the side of Set, which Thilgrakoton, you know, Natok probably is. Well, he is Stygian, which means he does worship Set, and it so was, maybe. Thinking... Hmm? No, wait. I'm, I was thinking of a different evil wizard who was specifically identified as a priest of Set, and that's it's, Sothalanti, carry on, carry on. and also, uh, uh, oh, Thothamon. Right, so Conan is a great slayer of evil Stygian wizards. Right, like anyone, just out of it, just it just so happens that if you worship Set, you're probably going to get slaughtered by Conan. And I think that Mitra likes this. And so there's weird ways of infusing, even in a world I think where you're making the gods more hands off, of infusing little times where they impact destiny. Right, because clearly Conan gains Mitra's favor in these weird ways because he that's keeps. That's not a line I would have drawn, but that's interesting. The idea that he's, without even knowing it necessarily, he's Mitra's champion. Right. Even though he himself worships Krom and like laughs at the idea of afterlife, that comes out in Queen of the yeah. Black Coast. That he, he barely is. worships Krom. Well, yeah, because Krom doesn't do anything for you. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Strong I think, on I think we, even, we even get the first mention of Krom in one of these stories. I, I, for, I forget which, which one, but yeah. Yeah, and um, one of the stories that we read. Uh, in the previous uh, for the previous episode, he mentions Krom as, and they're like, "Do you worship Krom?" And he's like, "Eh, I don't really care. Uh, Krom's kind of a dick. I kind of like I kind of prefer the Asir uh, gods." And then in, um, oh, I think it's the Scarlet Citadel, he mentions that um, he he's reminiscing about uh, his homeland, and Krom gets mentioned as a as a as a major feature of that. Krom with his, you know, dour, uh, dour, dour Krom. He, he he makes people strong and gives them the ability to kill and 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 thinks that should be enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's basically what is said about Krom. All right. So uh, of these stories, uh, Tower of the Elephant was was my favorite. I think I think Jeff, you like Scarlet Citadel. I'll... Definitely. Yeah. All right. Peter, do you do you have a have have a clear favorite of of these of these three? You gonna break oh, that? Oh yeah. I'm a I'm a huge Tower of the Elephant elephant guy i mean i teach yeah. it to my sixth graders so i love that Ugh. i love that story you're dead to me i was just complimenting <laughs> you i was calling you subject uh, matter expert i'm, I'm you, sorry you trade I'm me interested to, <sighs> to to hear what sixth graders think of tower of the elephant do you do, do you make them write like like book reports and essays <laughs> we have classroom discussions about it now for my classics unit i did have a student choose the hour of the dragon which takes place after the scarlet citadel uh-huh. right because he liked the conan stuff so much um, and I'm a teacher, so I guess I have the authority to say, yeah, that's a classic, because whatever I think it is. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, they did. He did have to write a report about that, and I believe my favorite line was, "Conan didn't choose the thug life; the thug life chose Conan." Aww. So, yep. So the kid gets it. He gets Conan. <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't help but be what he is. All right. I think. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like if 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 Howard and Lovecraft had been had been taught in in schools like wow man that that would be that would be awesome. All right. Yeah, I sure would have liked school a lot better too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Well, we are we are slowly uh, Im improving uh, the literary educations of Appendix N listeners, uh, one one book at, at a time, one story at a time. You know, maybe maybe out there some some kids are even listening to us right now, and their and their lives are being changed. Wouldn't for wouldn't the better, that, I hope. Yeah, yeah. All right, so. Uh, it's about the time where we have to say uh, goodbye. Uh, Peter, it was great having you again. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Right. Subject matter expert. Absolutely. And what a great time talking to somebody about Conan, so anytime. Absolutely. I love talking about Conan. And Jeff, it's been uh, a month since anyone uh, heard you talk about your, your writing and your website, so why don't you tell us again how people uh, can find you. I have a website. It exists. It's jeffwik.com. At the moment, it's uh, kind of on hiatus because I'm working on some other stuff. But who knows? Um, I don't even know when this is going to go out. So maybe by then, something exciting will have happened. And if not, there's a big backlog of stuff. I don't know. Have a good time. Exactly. Have a good time. That's all. Exactly. Who knows what the future holds? Listeners, if you would like to be on the Appendix N podcast to voice an opinion about something we've read or something we've said, if you have any questions or comments for me, you can contact me through the Tome Show at thetomeshow at gmail.com. Visit our webpage to leave a comment or shop at our Amazon store at thetomeshow.com. You can follow along with The Tome Show by reading what we're reading. And if you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming show, just let us know. No expertise is required. Later this month, we will be reviewing the novel Creep Shadow by Abraham Merritt. Uh, it's, it's sometimes titled Creep Shadow, and it's sometimes titled Creep Shadow Creep. And it's sometimes paired with another short story called Burn Witch Burn. Uh, but we're, we're just talking about Creep Shadow. Next up, in early June, we will return to the weird fiction of H.P. Lovecraft talking about the dream quest of Unknown Kadath. Later in June, we will be discussing three more Conan stories by Robert E. Howard, The Slithering Shadow, The Pool of the Black One, and Rogues in the House. These are all available in the public domain, so find them, read them, and join us for our discussions. This has been a Tome Show production of Appendix N, Episode 16, The Stories of Conan by Robert E. Howard, Part 2. Thanks for listening.